Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think the thing to cry about is the hard stuff that kids are going through. Uh, and that this organization that positions itself as the place to go when you need care and love and support is like truly hurting queer kids. Um, all while they're saying like these policies only impact staff, only impact leadership, not kids. It's like, that is not a thing. Uh, talk to any queer kid in Young Life and it's like, yeah, it impacts us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Mace. Welcome to episode 156. Bam. Curious things happened. Curious oh, this things is probably called Do Better Young Life, this episode Do with Kent better Thomas. Better Young Life. <laughs> In that voice. Exactly. When you read it, please hear it. In Anytime that voice. you <laughs> see that hashtag from now on, think Do, Do Better, better young, young Life. life. <laughs> Not, hey, Do Better Young Life. No. It's Do Better Young Life. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so funny story. We posted this on our Instagram. We showed up recording last Thursday, and we were both not vibing. Yeah, and it wasn't like like shoulder shrug. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. I don't. I don't want to put words in your mouth. How would you describe it? I don't know. I think I was. I was definitely overwhelmed and off. And I think you said this emotionally and intellectually fatigued. I didn't want to say, and Mace was feeling emotionally off, and you have you go, I wasn't feeling emotionally off. I was saying, <laughs> how can I say the softest phrase without getting corrected? No, it was a really good moment for us to know and name, like, hey, we don't need to push through this. We can attend to our emotional needs, yeah. and this podcast is play and fun. And so we did that, and it was actually a really healing, like, redemptive night for me, mm, as me someone who uh, loves to, heavy quotes, Loves to perform and follow through. Exactly, be a really good teammate. Yeah, which you are a very good teammate. Yeah. Uh, so. so, so something happened where it's like I've been following Kent, who you're about to hear from in a second, for a while now, and um, uh, Kent liked one of my Facebook posts, uh, like on Friday or something, and I was like, Kent, hey, I was like, gosh, if he was available, this would be a really cool thing to interview Kent. Yeah, and I was just like, might as well just message. And see if he's available, and he was. And I was like, "Oh, maybe this could be an episode this week. There could we be go. an episode." So I just, I just went where the spirit took me. We pivot week. and we play, <laughs> and we're curious. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I didn't. It didn't have to be done this weekend, but you know, I, I think with the podcast, I have both of us have ideas just zoom through our brains, and they come and go. There's so many people we could interview, and it's like I never follow through on some of those things. And I was like, "I'm just going to do this one. I'm yeah. going to do that. I'm going to do yeah. it." And it just seems like having interviewed Kevin last week. This seems like a great. Yeah, this is kind of a follow up. But sometimes we like jump back and forth on themes that are just unrelated. And even though they're always related in some way. Mm -hmm. But this one does feel like Kevin was talking about queer spirituality. And this is talking about challenging religious spaces that are not accepting of queer folks. Yeah. I'm curious how it went. I mean, everybody, you can look up Young Life if you don't know what Young Life is. And and we try not to be like a Christian podcast, but we're learning, leaning more into sort of like being, I guess, uh, open about what we're up to these days. Mm-hmm. 
So I self-identified as a Christian anarchist on a recent school project. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I think that's so fun because some everybody somebody sent us an email and said maybe we're Christian anarchists, and I was like not offended by that. And I don't even want to take that super seriously. Like, yes, I am a Christian anarchist, but it is like, yeah, that feels nice. It does. You know, I, I had this is really funny. I had I was texting with a friend of mine. Um, from the SPU days. And he was like, loving your podcast. Listen to this episode. Listen to this episode. Don't really understand where you're coming from with Christianity, but love to hear the new thoughts. And and I said, ha ha, yeah, somebody sent us an email calling us Christian anarchists last week. And he misread why I was telling him that. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's okay. You're doing great. Keep up the good work. Don't worry. Don't let them get you down. I was like, no, no, no. no, no, no. I didn't no, no, no. send messages back. I was like, oh, I took it as a compliment. <laughs> um, but yeah, Young Life you know, interestingly enough, I posted about it on my Facebook. And I just checked my Facebook messages or notifications before I left my house today. And somebody somebody was like, oh, I mean, let me just read it. Go for I, it. I won't say who this is. I don't need to call people out on Facebook. But um, this is just a classic thing. I said, uh, sorry, everybody. Fill, fill, can you fill the space with some thoughts? Um, <laughs> I can try and fill the space with some thoughts. If you were wondering what the episode was, we were going to record its transference oh, yeah. and we will go back to that because we did research it a lot. So did you great. find it? You did some great job <laughs> filling the space with some thoughts. I just said very gently, everybody, Young Life is a massive evangelical Christian parachurch organization that uh, tries to spread the gospel to teens. And it, it's huge. And I have a lot of ties to young life. My family's a lot of ties to young life, but it's not affirming to queer folks and it's worthy of criticism for that and many other things. So I said on my Facebook, I tried to say something very light. I said, friends, it's completely fair and not mean to criticize young life. And somebody said this, which is exactly why something like do better young life needs to exist. But this is what we're dealing with. This person says, I think we need to be careful about criticizing the largest Christian outreach youth organization in the world. I'm like, no, oh my gosh, exactly you just why we proved should. my point. Like, what the heck are you talking about? Is this some sort of like mob boss? Like, it sounds like a threat, right? I think we need to be careful about criticizing the biggest. You're like, oh, oh. I mean, I'm just like, I'm really glad I posted this now. But while not every org can appeal to everyone's preferences, Paul's words about in season and out of season, Christ preached might apply here. Many kids who would never step into a church have been reached by Young Life. A large number of people in full-time ministry came to Jesus through Young Life. So if it's not your cup of tea, that's okay. But it has been an awful lot for people over the years. And no one does youth camps better than Young Life. I'm like, okay. okay. Maybe some people Every, will do. Everything there is why <laughs> Young Life should be criticized. Yeah, It just doesn't make any sense for anything not to be criticized. Right. And I always say, right. I practice what I preach. Criticize me criticize all day long. Scott, all day long. You can yes. criticize me too. I'm, I'll, I'll be a little, a little more bit. sensitive. <laughs> um, my, my skin is a little less thick. <laughs> be gentle if you criticize me. <laughs> so you're not the largest Christian <laughs> outreach organization in the world. I think I just might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Kent, very cool person. So excited for you guys to hear from him. Um, Kent, queer human that grew up in young life and experienced a lot of trauma. And uh, what I love about this is that you hear a lot of tenderness and hurt. I don't love that, but you hear some vulnerability in Kent. But then halfway through, you hear some real righteous indignation and some anger. Mm. And that's when he becomes very powerful and rightly so. And so I, I didn't realize that Do Better Young Life just started like last year at this time in June. And it's essentially a movement. You can look it up on Instagram. It's a hashtag. It's uh, sh people sharing stories about how they've been hurt by Young Life. 
and these stories need to be shared. And um, Kent is 31 and in his anger decided that he wanted to, to do something. And so he started Do Better Young Life. And it's awesome. Do better young life. <laughs> do better young life. Do better young life. I know. I, I, if we were a really technical podcast, we'd have a real big sound effect thing come in and we would have put some <laughs> do, time. Do, do. I've never done young life stuff. Mm. So that's an interesting thing. I wasn't there for this interview. So it really is. <laughs> <laughs> you can taint yourself with young life. You are, you've had a track record. <laughs> no, you have nothing to do with young this life. This is not why, but it is interesting. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I would have been like, I don't know. Spent your whole life, life avoiding. <laughs> You're going to be like 70 someday. I'm well, like, I, no, I, I don't no. need to do, I don't need to engage. <laughs> um, anyways, I, I hope we get to talk to Kent again. A lot of these things are sort of blending together. Uh, really cool person, really big heart, uh, really important work. Uh, yeah. And really merging with a lot of the stuff we're doing with beloved rise and rebel mm-hmm. and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. So, uh, super excited to share this conversation with you all, everybody. And we'll be back next week with something. I don't know what, what we're going to talk about. I think on our schedule it says 21 pilots, but I think you opted out of that. I think I might be opting So we out. might so just come right Moses back with some transference. Oh, or <laughs> and it's not on our schedule. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. Okay. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy this interview with Kent and goodbye. We'll see you next week. Okay, so everybody, we're here with Kent, and um, I would love to hear a little bit about, I know a lot of people would like to hear a little bit about your story slash journey. Um, I mean, say anything you want. You could start at birth if you wanted, but probably a little bit more to do with like evangelicalism or youth ministry or young life in general. Like, when did that start for you? Yeah, I was born right into young life uh, slash evangelicalism. Uh, my parents were super involved in young life and like church stuff, which I, uh, you know, I can't undo that. And I'm really thankful for it. Like I just, well, thankful is a hard word. Maybe I'm not super, it made me who I am. So I can't like, you know, uh, no regrets there, but I, yeah. So from day one was really into young life, uh, and as well as our Presbyterian church in place. Um, I think I was like hook, line, and sinker, you know, young lifey Christian, uh, you know, spoiler alert, until I came out as gay, and that sort of devolved from there. But uh, yeah, so it was about from birth to age 24 that I was into it, got really like, you know, choosing to get involved in middle school when I was like able to get into wildlife, uh, then just like off through till college and all that. Yeah. How old are you now? Uh, 31. Okay. And, and everybody, this is really fun because Kent and I are just getting to know each other now that we don't have a, like a, a, a long relationship. We just met for the first time just now, but, um, uh, my grandpa was the first international director of young life. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Wow. My dad was a young life area director in Wenatchee. Those are all my earliest memories were contact work in Wenatchee with my dad. Okay. I grew up in Presbyterian churches too. My grandpa's a Presbyterian pastor. I think there's a lot of overlay between like Presbyterian and young life, you know, definitely. Um, and then I worked for young life in my early twenties. I was a student staff in Bellevue essentially. Okay. Great. Yeah. And I, right. As do better young life was starting. I like 
heard your name a few times. Like, you should reach out to Scott. You should reach out to Scott. Uh, yeah, and it sounds, yeah, you have very deep roots in that place. <laughs> and I think you and I probably sense the same thing of, like, we're not these outsiders who are being mean and criticizing something. We This is our tribe, so to speak, or our community. Yeah. And so it, it, it's it's, I think what we've learned as allies are people that are wanting to be helpful uh, is, is to talk to your people. I mean, even being white in the world too, it's like holding each other to being anti-racist or having those conversations internally. And so like, it is like an internal conversation. Yeah. And that makes it really weird and complicated. Like I've seen the few times you've posted about young life on your Facebook, like the comments are a nightmare, (laughs) like just a lot of, and it's, you know, because there's so many relationships, uh, in the past and I've noticed that in my own life like this isn't theoretical it's not like you know we're just mad outsiders it's like the really uh it like impacts friendships relationships and it's like those are the areas that we have the most influence I feel like so yeah it's 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 a weird thing though yeah and and, and I think what I'm discovering especially in this I I'm, 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 I'm old now, everybody. So I really am committed to Facebook, I guess. So whatever I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook, but people have a hard time holding the, the gray area of like, you can appreciate what young life has done and also be critical. It's not one or the other. Yeah, Uh, for sure. But I wonder for you, like, was there, you know, kind of growing up with this young life culture, I imagine your parents like hosted young life at your house or something like that. Um, Cause I, I haven't, I have met with your parents and they're great. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, kind of what my first, like, memories of Young Life stuff were at Malibu, uh, as a, like, child going up there, then, uh, they started hosting, like, Monday night dinners for club, and as well as club, uh, throughout, that started when I was in elementary school, then pretty much through till high school, um, and that, like, did change my life in so many ways, like having older people, like mentors, people that I thought were really cool. Uh, Sometimes I've wondered if like looking at them as peers, if I would think they're cool, but like, that's besides the point. Uh, I like, I do feel like it fostered in me, like a care for community and all that. So it's like, I'm really thankful for those things. And I also sort of daydream about what, my life now, like what my mental health would be like now if I hadn't had that experience. Uh, So it's kind of, yeah, both being grateful for it and sort of mourning the hard things that came with it that I still uh, like process pretty much every day. But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like in a little bit, we're gonna get, we're gonna go hard on like young life criticism. But I think one of the things that I guess we're, dancing around here is I imagine in those early years, whether it was through wildlife or at your parents' house or Malibu, that you had some positive experiences with young life that kept you going for a while, right? Definitely. Yeah. The positives, uh, the major one for me was beyond Malibu being a guide up there. Uh, that was the, those were the last two years of my, like being involved in young life and, like, it's not an exaggeration. Like, that fully changed my life. Like, the job I have now is from a Beyond friend. Do Better Young Life wouldn't have happened without Beyond. Like, it just changes, changed so much. Uh, the earlier years, I think, 
I was never like the perfect fit for Young Life as a kid because I was really shy and uh, wasn't popular. And so that's like not what Young Life goes after. There's not really like currency for a shy kid in Young Life. Uh, But it was still like camp was a magical week. Like my first camp when everything was a surprise. Uh, In cabin times, I like really appreciated times with peers and leaders to like talk about deeper things. Um, But yeah, it really became like high school and college through work crew, summer staff, intern, beyond uh, that like the friendships and community really uh, sprouted that like, uh, yeah, I think I learned a lot about myself as far as who I am in community with others. I think uh, it did impact, I think I'm realizing it's impossible for me to talk about the positives without the negatives because I'm like flip-flopping, but. uh, I I don't know why I'm forcing you to talk about that. (laughs) No, it it like really did bring like a depth to me, but also it brought a lot of God anxiety because like if I'm not believing right, then like maybe I'm going to hell, maybe I'm not, who knows, Um, and along with the relational community things, it like, I'm still sort of discovering weird things that like people I really loved and look up to now I like don't have access to and like can't talk to, like that really sucks. So I I find myself like they're inextricably linked, the like fun parts and really sad parts. Um, yeah, but it was, yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about our listeners and honestly, I'll, I'll probably post this conversation on the beloved rise YouTube. So it's like two in one really, but um, I, I would say half our leaders at least are not Christian, but probably everybody's interested in some sort of faith. I mean, our, our tagline for our podcast is less certain, more curious. So people are open. I, I imagine anybody that listens to us is at least interested in being open-minded if they're not open-minded already, but uh, I guess I just want people to know for, if you don't know what Young Life is, I mean, it's a parachurch outreach evangelical or- organization. And uh, I, I won't get into the history. You can go Google Young Life. But like it is, I did Beyond Malibu twice. I was never a guide. I'm not, I'm not a, I, I don't like the outdoors. So I, I, Okay, I, but me either, actually. So <laughs> we can talk about that. Though. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Young Life does offer, from my perspective as somebody that's been doing youth ministry my whole life, the best camping experience you could possibly imagine. I mean, even for somebody that's done it their whole life, it's hard to convey how amazing the camp experiences are. And it's, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's magical, you know? Yeah, it is magical. And like what the other thing for anyone who's not familiar with Young Life is that their big thing is that they're for every kid that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're supposed to be for everyone, no matter what, uh, which is, yeah, right. We know, we know that's not true, but that's what they say. So I guess, I guess we can start weaving in that part of your journey. And again, I don't don't want to direct how you share your... No, please, you need to direct me because I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were just talking about even this idea, which is very strange for me being outside of Young Life now and having not thought about Young Life for a long time and sort of being brought brought back into it. But but this idea of like believing the right things, because you would think that wouldn't even be on mission for Young Life, but you seem to have had felt that pressure. Yeah, I mean... 
Yeah, with Young Life, their theology really, you know, centers on you. We believe the right thing. We believe that Jesus died for our sins because God had to like kill something because we're bad. Um, and I think that even though Young Life is all like really about grace and like all those great sort of like softer things, there really is like a, with theology and undercurrent of like, you need to believe this. We're working so hard to make believers because if they're not believers, then they'll probably go to hell. Um, that's at least from my upbringing was like young life was, of course they wouldn't say that in that way. Um, but the whole thing with like young life's camp talk sequence of you know, sort of chilly introducing Jesus. Then there's the cross talk where you're all going to hell. Like we all suck. Good night. Like go feel shitty about it. And then it's like Jesus. And then, you know, believe. Um, I, I know for me, I have this like flashbulb memory in the 10th grade of the camp speaker talking about heaven and instructing us in cabin time to like, think about, talk about what we thought heaven was like. And in that moment, I was like, I don't think that's real. Like, I don't, I think that's made up. I like, don't, but in my high school self, like that felt like the worst thing I could ever think. And like, I truly thought it was the devil in my head, like saying that. Um, and it, it's like, yeah, it was a very, just like brought a lot of distress to like think differently than, what the speaker what young life was saying um so I think that's where I kind of get the thing of it's you know young life thinks it's very important to believe the right things or else something bad will happen um yeah what was that what was your experience with all that that's so great uh, I had similar experiences and I think it wasn't even until like I was in my mid-30s where I felt like I had the permission to acknowledge those things and I think it's something you're saying is you feel like all of a sudden you have the right to share about your experience and how it was for you and not have some sort of interpreter come in and say you're not allowed to have that experience or that insight or that interpretation. Um, but I, I am even experiencing this sense of um, participating in it. You know, it's like you and I guess you experience this as a beyond leader probably a little bit too of like you, this happened to you and then you replicate it to a certain extent because oh, it's yeah. the right thing to do. And I just remember being a wildlife leader and then a young life leader and you do the talk sequence and then the camp now that in retrospect as a dad, even mm. <laughs> like um, you're, you literally are trying to cause spiritual trauma on that sin talk cross talk night. Cause, cause they'll say, we don't want to offer the grace yet. We want kids to yes. be sad and scared tonight, you know? And when I started work with Beloved Arise, I had a friend of mine who called and said, I should have supervision. And I didn't quite know what they meant by that, but they said, you're, I kind of took offense. I was getting prideful. Like, I, I have 20 years of youth experience. I don't need supervision, but they're saying you're working with a really vulnerable community. So if you just hired a, a mental health expert to meet with you once a month and check in and, that would be really, um, but I thought, yeah, if you, if you had a committee of mental health experts come in and somebody from young life explained what they do on the sin night, 
they'd be like, oh, no, no, that's not a good way to approach that. Maybe, maybe it's like, maybe we don't need to disagree theologically, but the way you're creating this, you know, sense of panic and shame all amongst these teenagers for a whole evening is probably not very healthy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So true. And like, yeah, for me, I, I have moved to a place where I like theologically don't align, but like you said, even if you do theologically like align with that, it is like, it, it's a withholding of information to like really scare someone. And even as in middle school, I remember, cause like, I had heard the Jesus thing like from since birth, but like after the sin talk, I was like really mad that they were doing that and that the other kids were like kind of freaking out. Um, And it was sort of like, yeah, no, they need to feel that in order to give their lives to Christ. And that is, yeah, I think you already said it. That sounds abusive. (laughs) Like that's not fun. So. Yeah. So we haven't even gotten to this idea of it not being an affirming for queer folks, but like, uh, I think I think that's one of the things that's interesting about how this conversation is bubbling up in lots of different spaces and Do Better Young Life and Love Advice are all part of that. But like, this isn't just about being affirming. It's about like things we're already mentioning, tactics, theology. Um, and it, I think it's way, ta- it's way overdue for just youth ministry in general to be given a second look like are these the best practices somebody started this like 60 or 70 years ago somebody had the wild idea to i'm going to close my door really quick too um oh, great sounds good it's getting cold and rainy here um somebody had the wild idea to get together in a house with a guitar and some games and nobody's really rethought that in terms of like what is what exactly are we doing with these teens mm-hmm. so this is i think i think it's time to be having these conversations um, so for you, in terms of, uh, like being gay, like how did that start to emerge for you in terms of your relationship with young life or the church or your parents or how was that? Yeah, it was real bad. <laughs> it was not fun. Uh, I, I think so. Yeah. Just like some quick backstory for me, I like really needed uh, to be, held in the community of Young Life and my church. Uh, I was like super shy, um, didn't really like, I had friends at school, but didn't really function well, like in like the real world social realm. Um, I also had a really traumatic seizure in the third grade that like really brought a lot of anxiety and fear. Um, So like that really made the community super important that like this was a space where I felt loved and cared for and like encouraged by peers and older people. Um, So having the like emerging thoughts of like, shit, am I gay? Like that was a level, like indescribable devastation of like what that would cost, what that would mean. Um, And at that time, like, I was, anything I had heard of gay people was that they were, like, really bad, really, like, promiscuous, sinful, uh, like, promiscuous, who who gives a shit about that word, but, like, sinful, bad. Um, I, like, so in the first, I remember the first uh, thought I had, like, am I gay, was in the fourth grade. I, like, was standing in my parents' kitchen. It was this, like, 
sort of horrifying thought of it. We had some gay neighbors and the thought was like, am I like my neighbors? Um, and knowing how my community at church and young life, like talked about gay people. Uh, I just had this like visceral reaction of like, that can't be it. So like definitely shoved it down immediately. Um, I like a couple times tried to like broach the subject with young life leaders. Uh, I like the one time I remember the most was in high school where I asked my young life leader uh, what he thought about gay people. And it was pretty much, you know, they're like traumatized and they need to go to therapy so they can just like heal themselves kind of thing. And we knew a bunch of people who had come out as gay and he was like, yeah, these three people came out because this other person came out and they were just like doing it because it was like the cool thing to do. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, that's, it's wild to like realize that that was, and probably still is kind of the vibe that some people have. Um, but all that to say it, uh, like, it's really hard to describe how much I didn't want that, like, thinking I still don't really know how to make sense of my life today because of like how much I didn't want the life I have now. Like I love my life, but as a kid, like I would have like, you know, it would, and not saying this lightly, like I would have killed myself if I knew that like this would be my life. Um, and, but I'm, again, I'm so glad, but uh, I, so the, it's hard to know where, where to go with this because there's a lot going on in my head, but uh, heavy. Yeah. I, I know. So in it beyond when I was a guide, like a part of my testimony with other leaders was that I thought I was gay in the past and like was really afraid of it, but realized I was like making it up. Uh, it wasn't real. Uh, my best friend in college was gay and he came out and then like said that he liked me. And so like, it was a really big like friend breakup. And I said all the young life things, like I'm not gay. Like here's a therapist that will do reparative therapy, like all the things. Um, and that really sucks, but that was like where where I was and, uh, but it wasn't until graduating from college and moving back to Tacoma where I grew up, uh, I think I felt safe in Tacoma and like I had the space to really grow. Um, and I found, I was working for Youth for Christ uh, and but was a part of this other like cohort of, it was called Urban Leaders in Training and like, ended up kissing a guy at a party. And it was this like horrible, like truly horrible thing. Cause the next day I was volunteering for Young Life at the Young Life barbecue. Uh, and it was this like realization, like shit is gonna hit the fan. And, you know, it was, was off to the races, like lost my job, all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't until 24 that I actually came out but my first thought was at age 11. So it was kind of 13 years of, uh, you know, 
trying so hard not to be gay, uh, never ever saying the words, just like, like never in my head did I say I'm gay, I just can't be. It was just like, no, I'm not gay. That wouldn't be a thing. That's not what good people like me are. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of convoluted response, but. <laughs> not convoluted, but also I think we have to acknowledge our stories are convoluted. Like people want us to put them in a box and make it all linear and logical, but it's like, you know, these things are really hard to capture, but I think you did a great job of capturing it. I mean, one of the things that it's like when you're, when you get outside of that impulse to defend young life, which I still feel in my heart, I have to be honest with that. I was like, I still feel like I need to defend young life. But if you were looking at it as like an alien or an outsider and you didn't understand Christianity or evangelicalism, and you heard this story of like a kid who's introverted, who had this traumatic experience in third grade as a seizure and never felt they really truly felt it felt like they fit in and finally found a loving community, but then thought that something in their core would exclude them from this community that is so necessary for their survival. It's it, it you would label this as like evil. It, it just sounds like evil on the surface it, it, without any other explanation. It's like to do this to a kid and to provide that loving care. You know, we use this phrase like a bait and switch or something like that, but there has to be something that, captures just to ha- it's it's worse than a bait and switch it, it's it's yes. so and i hear you choking up in there too because because there's many many little vignettes that you just mentioned that are just so sad it's just so sad you can look back as an adult now and look at your like third grade self or your seventh grade self and be like i'm so sad for that kid you know yeah definitely yeah and i spent kind of a lot of time uh thinking about that and like sort of uh, taking time to be with my younger self and that that was a really hard thing that I had to sort of hold by myself for 13 years. Uh, That really bums me out. And like, I think what keeps me caring about young life is that I know there's other queer kids like me in that realm. Uh, but yeah, I still haven't reconciled what, like, how much I needed that and what, that it wasn't like, that my worst fears did come true, that I did turn out to be gay. And now all the people that I so needed to love and care for me now think I'm like truly doing bad things. Like, not only with, and like being married to, Mike, but with Do Better Young Life that, like, yeah, like, they really think I'm doing, like, (laughs) bad, bad things. And, like, that, I truly don't know how to make sense of that because I care so much about those people. Um, But, yeah, all that to say, I think there's a lot of kids out there that have similar experiences to me that I, like, can't not care about that Young Life is still doing that. Yeah, I meet with these kids every day now. I meet with at least 12 kids a week, and this is their story. And it's it's happening right now. I mean, um, one of my favorite shows is Twin Peaks, and there's this crazy character who's a giant. And it's, you know, Twin Peaks is oh. just way out there. It's, 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 I've never but, seen it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take a wild journey. I mean, it's all set in the Northwest. So if you, if you want to create something for yourself where every time you now drive to Snoqualmie Pass, you feel really creeped out, then go ahead and 
<laughs> All right, good to know. Um, but there's this there's this character who's called the giant who gets on stage and, and says it is happening again. And he's referring to like a, a murder that's replicating itself, but it's like this evil, violent act. And he just says very mysteriously, it's happening again. And I don't know why that sits with me. It's because it's a really poignant scene, but I, I feel that in this, in these Christian spaces and it captures the, the violence and, and, and almost like the creepiness of, this, this violence is happening all around us. And this idea of it is happening again, like it happened to you and it's happening now, it's happening everywhere. These stories aren't like fringy because it's not that I'm just hearing the stories, but as you continue to provide space for people to come out with their stories, you realize that there's way more than you would have assumed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Because you wouldn't have shared that as a seventh grader. <laughs> no, yeah, so true. And I think, it is like you said, it's not fringy and it like is really, it makes me kind of mad and sad and all the things when people are defending young life, like every, every like opportunity they're defending, you know, like, like this is made up or this is not real or that person's playing the victim. Uh, when this is happening all over, like the country, even the world, like this is not made up in it. I don't know how to make people within Young Life care about it, but it, it's like really important. So we'll see. Well, you know, just as well as me, there is a lot of people in Young Life that do care about it. And I, I'm, I'm talking with area directors all the time now who are wanting my advice. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't have very much advice. Like, I think a lot of churches that now know about the work we're doing approach me and you can tell I have a lot of sympathy for them because I was in this too, but like they want to work around. And I'm like, the only thing, the only advice I have for you is become affirming. There's no other little tweak you can make Mm -hmm. whole belief system in your structure. Otherwise the the kindest thing you can do is send kids to another organization. That is. hope you froze for a second, Scott, you you froze for like, Seven seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just gonna say the the kindest thing you can do to a kid is send them to an affirming organization. You know, but yes, yeah, yeah. Like you, yeah, you said people are looking for a workaround, and it's so true. It's no, become affirming or tell queer kids like this isn't the place for you. That's the only options, yeah. and yeah, it's not. Those aren't fun options for evangelical organizations. Our first church sponsor. And our only one so far for Beloved Rise is Quest Church, where June attends. And we went and visited with Pastor Gail last week and Matthias Roberts, who hosts Queer Theology or Queerology, um, was with us. And Matthias also attends Quest and told the story of meeting with Pastor Gail. And Gail said, we are not affirming this will not be a safe place for you. Mm-hmm. Really refreshing to hear that message up front. Um, but exactly. then Matthias told the story of showing up to church despite having got this information and Gail made a beeline for, for Matthias and said, come sit up front right next to me, mm-hmm. uh, which is a beautiful story. And now they are affirming. Um, oh, are they officially affirming now? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. great. I'm happy to hear that. You can publicly support Quest. <laughs> All right. That's good to know. <laughs> um, so, so what happened? Like, how, how did you, how did you start? How did you come up with the gumption or the confidence to start Do Better Young Life? Uh, let's see. That's a long 
door. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, so I, when I came out. You can end yeah. the conversation whenever you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, when, so when I came out, I was 24. Uh, like I said, working for Youth for Christ. And when I realized, like, okay, this isn't made up. Uh, I actually am. At that time, I was I was queer. I Like now I say I'm queer, gay, sort of interchangeably. At that time, I was saying queer because I really wasn't sure, like, what is this? Uh, and so came out to my bosses at Youth for Christ, which is such a weird thing that I like had to do that, first of all. Um, and then was like, they went to Colorado to talk with their headquarters and then they fired me. They actually told me to quit. And I said, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm not like, sorry about being gay. So then they fired me. Um, and then I kind of at that time really wanted to be still a part of some Christian community like that. So I emailed the Young Life International office and said, like, my sister is a leader at this high school in Tacoma. Could I be a leader with her? Like I said, I'm gay. This is blah, blah, blah. Um, and the answer was just a firm no, which even after I had been involved in Young Life my whole life, I actually didn't expect to get a firm no. Uh, and so it kind of pissed me off that like, why is this hidden? Why is this not like, why don't other people care about this? And of course other people did, but it's like what Young Life tries hard to keep that down. Um, and so from there, pretty much immediately, that was about six and a half years ago, I like forwarded that email to some Young Life leaders that I was still close with, uh, and just like started having conversations with the area director here, who is now the regional director. Um, and little by little, just like realized every time I talked with someone within Young Life, they were talking about some committee or some like change of language that I was would get like excited about and feel encouraged about. And then truly nothing would happen. Then like the next year, same committee or like same, different committee, different name, but same sort of thing. And I just was getting more and more tired of it. Uh, throughout this time, my parents were still donating to Young Life and my dad was still doing the Young Life barbecue. Um, and as time went on, that like became really hard for our relationship that like they were still supporting Young Life, Young Life because they thought they could change it by still like supporting. And for me, it just felt like, you know, for my dad to take pretty much a month of his, of every year to support Young Life, like felt worse and worse. Um, so after a few years, my parents eventually decided to pull all their funding. And also my dad stopped at the Young Life barbecue. Um, and then for that reason, my dad talked with Newt Crenshaw, the president of Young Life, about why they were stopping because of their anti-queer policies. Um, I wanted to be a part of that meeting since I was the queer one, but like, of course that didn't happen. So I wrote a letter to Newt and like had my dad give it to him um, and heard nothing. That was in summer of 2018. Uh, and I'm sharing all this just to like lay the groundwork of that I've cared about this for years and like 
people want to shoot it down as just like a mad person, but uh, it's not just one person or it's not whatever. Um, so after sharing that letter with Newt and he didn't seem to care at all, I kind of just gave up like, yeah, leadership doesn't care. Even the local people don't care enough to just shoot, shoot straight with me. Um, I'm tired of hearing all these like far out things of like young life is going to change or whatnot because it wasn't actually happening. Um, then last summer, Beyond Malibu posted a picture uh, that like had a friend who they had fired for because she was queer. Um, her name's Christina and she's like one of my favorite people. And that like the like from 2018 to 2020, I had kind of given up and was like, okay, young life is young life. Just let them be uh, like, it sucks, but I can't do anything about it. When I saw that picture of Christina, like it lit something in me. Like I was like shaking, like what the fuck they truly like totally fucked over Christina um, and like really hurt her in a like, truly wounding way and for them to then just like forget about it and be like okay we're still gonna post a picture of her it just like made it it the reality that young life doesn't really care that at least organizationally some people within young life don't care when they push queer people out um so I just like thought of like doing some sort of hashtag thing that like maybe others, cause I had seen uh, Liz Garcia shared her story of being pushed out, fired from, I think it was Wild Horse Canyon or one of those. Um, and like, so some people had, and I knew that like other people had shared. And so like there are, have to be some other stories, but like, who knows? So I just like wrote a post and shared it. Um, and expected like 20 people to see it <laughs> and like share. Uh, but then thankfully a very smart person messaged me and said like, you should make this caption into like a Twitter thread and then post that. And that really was the one that like caught on. And uh, thankfully a lot of other people like jumped on and it wasn't by any means just me that like, made it happen I just like posted the thing and then it went from there um and I think yeah that backstory of how many times I tried to get young life to care or young life individuals to care like I think is important to me because uh I think people like a lot of folks are saying Young Life supporters are saying Young Life cares about this. Young Life is doing their best to be sincere. But they did everything they could to keep these stories down. They, like, wouldn't respond. They would tell staff to be silent. Like, this is, that's not sincere. That's not caring. It's, like, actually really hurtful. And uh, they should be embarrassed about that. So for me, it came time, like, I actually don't care if Young Life people think I'm being mean or angry because I am angry. I think I'm mean, but like, I think they think I am. Uh, and thankfully, others cared enough to like help be, with like the more creative side of what does it 
mean to like actually organize something like this. Um, and yeah, that started kind of the summer of 2020. Like it was kind of a frantic summer because uh, that one, it was June 29th and just like doing that, it like truly took over my life for a few months. Um, and now we're here and, you know, we can talk about the document that they sent out a few weeks ago, but yeah, that was kind of the start. And I always just really want to make it clear that it wasn't just me by any means. Uh, like I was the first one to share, but if it weren't for like so many others that it wouldn't, it would have fall, fallen flat. So. Yeah. The first part of your story felt so sort of sad and tender and scared, you know, and like sad and, and, you know, in this next chapter, just in this conversation, the, the anger is very ob obviously there. It just rises up. That has a different feel to it. And um, it feels so like righteous and justified. And I think one of the weird things that I keep trying to let people know is like, no, no, not Kent's not being mean. Young life's being mean. Kent's calling it out. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Kent's being mean. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And that one is really hard for me because I will like, I think I'm I'm still that like tender shy kid that like really didn't want to be in this like role. Um, so sometimes I will like wake up at night and be like, oh my god, I'm like, I mean, like that younger self is like I'm being mean. I'm being like I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I am like fully out of benefits of the doubt for young life. Uh, and I right there. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think that is hard for, uh, especially people who are still within Young Life to understand, like, yes, there is some anger and there's some, like, um, what, like, what they might perceive as being mean, um, but they also don't understand what it feels like to be sort of, like, intentionally pushed aside intentionally kept silent like um especially under the guise of like welcoming everyone or being like all about relationships uh that is their the organization of young life is intentionally like trying to do this double thing because they know kids won't want to go if they're known to be homophobic so they're pretending every kid but they're telling their donors, like, you know, Romans, whatever, like male, female, like marriage, heterosexual. Uh, and it is evil, like the harm that that, that puts queer kids like in harm's way. Uh, and yeah, I am mad about that, <laughs> but I, I still think I, it is important for me to, like, I really do want to communicate that this is coming from a tender place. Like, I do, like, as much as I am not, like, in the Young Life Zone, I actually still care a lot about those people and the fact that they have a huge role in so many people's lives uh, that if they keep 
doing this harm, like it will harm others. So I do care about what they do, even though it's, uh, yeah, not like something I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I have so many weird conflicting feelings. <laughs> if you were an adult and you saw a group of five fifth graders bullying a, a kid in a corner somewhere, and you were mad about that, it wouldn't be mean to be mad about that. Right. Yeah. That's the trippy thing I think about becoming an adult. You know, I think for me, I, I feel like I'm a heavy quotes late bloomer. Like I, I think I started, I'm 41 now, but I, I, I probably would have been affirming at 30 and then a little bit more vocal at 35. But as I was approaching 40, I'm like, no, I can't, I can't not say anything anymore. Like I can't, I can't sit on the sidelines and just be like, secretly telling kids in the corner that I'm affirming sure like somebody's got to do something here you know and I think that that anger and that righteous indignation sparked that and you gave you a lot of power it seems like to be like I'm not I'm not standing by and watching this happen you know I'm calling it out yeah yeah I guess so yeah and I think it is uh just a thing of Sometimes with Do Better Young Life, I do think a lot of, uh, like, this has been impactful because so many people have taken the time to share their stories. And, like, that's been the power of it. And that also, like, truly sucks that so many, a lot of queer people, also people of color, women, like, people with mental illness, like, really have shared. And it is, like, this really, really it doesn't feel good that we have to like really divulge our trauma to like have young life care about it. So that is where like, I do sometimes feel conflicted where it's been powerful because we've shared so much trauma. Um, But in the face of young life, not changing, it's like, that's hard. And I like, I do hope there has been some great you know, community and connection, not feeling like we're alone in that. So that is a like positive in and of itself. Um, It is like, yeah, it's hard reading all those stories and knowing that Young Life is having meetings about like how to minimize the impact that those stories are having. Um, And that is where like seeing what Young Life and what new and what other leaders are saying and this like really soft seemingly kind tone like it's infuriating that they like they know these stories and they're actually just trying to keep their business running like it's not they don't actually care about what we're saying um yeah i don't know it's really hard (laughs) I guess just for the, the casual listener, I mean, what what exactly is Do Better Young Life? Yeah, uh, so Do Better Young Life uh, is like a campaign of, it started as hashtags, then sort of went to an Instagram page. Now there's a Facebook website, Twitter, um, and it's of people sharing their stories of harm at the hands of Young Life. Uh, it's queer people, people of color, women, disabled people. Um, And it sort of because Young Life's, like the one explicit 
policy they have is about anti-LGBTQ stuff. That has been like the bulk of the stories we get, but it is like really important for us not to forget that this is happening to other people that aren't queer um, because Young Life is pretty like white conservative. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of, at least in my understanding, a lot of white supremacy there just sort of baked in. Um, yeah, and it started almost a year ago and uh, yeah, is sort of an invitation for Young Life to care about this. And as time goes on, it's becoming more and more of like, you know, an invitation, a demand, uh, like, okay, this is actually more of a black and white thing, like stop supporting this organization, uh, stop uh, like having public schools be so close knit with Young Life. Like there's a lot, uh, as time goes on, that the tone is kind of shifting from, you know, it's, as Young Life shows more of their colors, it's becoming more clear what we need to do about it. I was not aware. I guess I just assumed that Do Better Young Life had been around for like three or four years. No, yeah. It's in this, on the 29th, it'll be a year. That's nuts. I guess it really syncs up with Beloved Arise stuff because we've been around for just a little over a year too. And and there's similar stories in terms of like, the urgency and the anxiety of getting something going and not knowing what it is. And yeah. Uh, and and then all this energy and like attention being drawn to it. And you're like trying to play catch up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's been a hard, uh, for me personally, that's been like the catch up thing has been hard. Cause I, uh, I'm not like, a young lifey person. I had a job that I was like, like, you know, fine to go along with. Uh, and sometimes it feels like it's been a derailment of like what I was doing, but it's been a good, an important derailment. Um, and thankfully I now have like a job at a eating disorder clinic that I really care. And like, so like to have something, I think sometimes it felt like doing do better young life for me felt like, is this actually uh, like in alignment with where kind of the like direction I want my life to go? And like, yes, it's a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So for me, it's been important to like have other things I care about as well. I think mostly because Young Life very explicitly doesn't care. (laughs) So it's like the organization we're like trying to target is really trying hard not to listen. so it's nice to have something else that actually feels like, okay, there's other things happening. And like with Beloved Arise, where there are truly like queer kids getting that space and getting that like meaningful connection, that's like so exciting and kind of makes me emotional to think that like queer kids get that now. Uh, and that was so not true not that long ago. Right. And it's still so not true for a lot of places. But. Well, both of us are being flooded with a lot of thoughts because I have to have a lot of discipline of like not just going off on major tangents. But like, um, I guess I guess we're at that point in the conversation just to try to acknowledge or explain that that in terms of your journey and do better young life and and this broader conversation, I guess we're having as heavy quotes evangelicals or Christians 
is like do Young Life releasing this statement. Finally, essentially, you've kind of been asking for. Well, they didn't release it, but yeah. They didn't release it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they wrote like a 23 page document and it got passed around internally with all sorts of encryptions and weird things to make it people that can't share it or something like that. But somebody did find a way to share it. And it, it is sort of a response in some ways, probably to do better young life. So what was that like for you to see that? Yeah. Seeing that was, it was really hard to read. Not only was it like long and boring, but it, it was just like really there to see that really in response to these stories that Young Life chose to double down and to like really make their policies even more like uh, explicit was not only they made it more explicit for the internal, but they're still like hiding it from the external was like, what the frick is happening? Um, so yeah, I guess reading it did like personally hurt because on young life created this like do better.younglife.org website um and on it they said like as a response to do better young life blah 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 and it like actually hurts a lot that they would write this in response to all these stories um and i saw the original that like so someone really amazingly typed out every word uh but they sent it to me to like ensure that it was accurate and yeah their employee id number was like watermarked across the whole page there was no copy paste so they tried really hard to keep this silent um and i emailed newt after i read it and said like this sucks like what is this going to be public all he said was that eventually they would share a public statement about the policy but like that they wouldn't the subtext with it was that they wouldn't share the policy so it was like okay we'll share it um and yeah the response to that has been really intense that people are seeing the sort of hypocrisy of the young life says every kid then from so many stories of that that's not actually happening, then they write this internal document that like is really, just, I, I, I don't, what even, it's like discriminatory, it's harmful, it's hurtful. It also devolves into like, they talk about, I like had to laugh when they, they talked about like female and male body parts fitting together. Like, okay, what, what is that? Like, why are we talking about that? Because and I will not make an anal sex joke, but it's like, they don't know. And maybe you can edit that out if, if that was like inappropriate, <laughs> but like, they don't know where things fit apparently of other, uh, but it's like that just, yeah, there's so many levels of annoying of that document. Uh, and it, but it also made it clear, like young life is who they are. Like that we weren't making this up. Uh, and what now are people going to do with it? Are people going to keep supporting Young Life, thinking that there can be like change from the inside? Are there going to be people who are being more open within Young Life until they get fired? Like Young Life staff and donors, like who are affirming, truly need to be doing 
more if they're going to stay in the organization. And there are like this person that sent the document they're doing, like people within the organization can do good. Um, but it act like that has to come with some discomfort and also risk. Um, and I know that like financial stuff is a part of it and people need to support themselves, their family. So I get that it's complicated and it can't all be done at once, but, uh, I hope that this document has made it clear to people that we're sort of on the fence of where Young Life stands. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it's, I, I feel like as the more and more that we unpack this stuff, the less mean it sounds to be concerned. I, I, I know, I know that's the thing that like hovers over this type of conversation is like being, because I, I, I think you and I both have experienced it of like people being like, Oh, be, be nice to Young Life. I'm like, uh, young life is fine. First of all, I don't know what I mean by this, but young life doesn't even exist. It's just an idea. And this is the one of the weird things about like what I'm doing now with Beloved Arise is like, people were like, oh, can you teach us how to do what you do? I'm like, hey, anybody can do this. Anybody can start an affirming youth group, you know? And if you like at least young life and just want to be affirming, anybody can start a club. You can just get together with people. Like, don't, I'm like, why all this protection about Young Life? But I mean, I guess if it, if we're bringing in like sort of these deeper, scarier, cringier thoughts of like white supremacy and stuff, it's like, there's a lot to protect there. And it does feel true sometimes when you start to talk about that. Yeah. And there, that has been probably the biggest critique of Do Better Young Life, like that people are saying, well, if you don't like it, just start your own thing. But that's one, that's not what I'm interested in. <laughs> like, I don't want to start that. But it's it's important because Young Life is doing this harm. They are pretending that they're welcoming. They are deeply involved in public schools. Like, this is a problem. And yeah, I am going to keep caring about it. But I think there have, even from like other uh, more like progressive people, they're like, you know, start your own thing. But I think that does minimize uh, the reality of that, like this harm is happening. Uh, so, yeah. Oh yeah, I want to make sure I clarify too. Start your own. Uh, that that wouldn't be like directed at you. It, it's it's most. Oh no, I I knew it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think I don't I don't think we need to be worried about young life. You know, especially for Christians or, you know, it's like. God doesn't need young life. Christianity doesn't need young life. And it's like, yeah, we definitely want young life to do better, but if young life doesn't do better. It's like, we can all move on. It's not, we don't need to cry about young life. Young life doesn't have any feelings, you know, there's just, it's just this label and this thing and whatever it does can be replicated, you know, whatever, but. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think the thing to cry about is, the hard stuff that kids are going through uh, and that this organization that positions itself as the place to go when you need care and love and support is like truly hurting queer kids. Um, all while they're saying like these policies only impact staff, only impact leadership, not kids. It's like, that is not a thing. Uh, talk to any queer kid in Young Life and it's like, yeah, it impacts us. Like, uh, so, yeah. It sounded so ignorant in that docu document. And 
I don't know if you watched that Netflix special, but like, it, especially when you start to think of like Young Life and Presbyterianism, I'm I'm both those things. But like, there was that there was that short series about the family. Did you see the that? family? Yeah. <laughs> and I've been tangentially aware of that over the years, uh, just by being the nature of being in Young Life, but. That was super creepy too. And then also watching that play out and knowing that I've had similar experiences of like, oh, don't ask questions, don't think. But also like there is this sense with Young Life and the fellowship or the family where it's Jesus plus nothing. Right. Well, if anything, that document, you want to critique Young Life on their own terms and say, uh, this isn't on mission, actually. You've said Jesus plus nothing. This is Jesus plus lots of things, like a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology, a lot of lines in the sand. And it could just be love and Jesus and acceptance. But they like, I, I'm, I'm saying like, it's almost like young life has become sort of some sort of monster. It's like, you're not young life anymore. Young life was meant to be Jesus or the gospel or and you've made so many rules and stipulations. It's like, maybe if you believed those things, you could invite people into the faith through a camp or young life and then hope, hope somebody else teaches the doctrines and stuff. Cause I always thought that relationship that young life might've had with the church, but it's, I, I almost, I almost think like young life, it's not your place and, and you're off mission and off brand. This for 20, it's Jesus and nothing. It's love. It's not any, it's not this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That is so weird. And funny that you mentioned the fellowship, uh, cause I'm meeting with someone tomorrow from who was a part of the fellowship because of do better young life. And like, they don't like, they like feel like I'm being mean to young life. And yeah. it is, so it's like such an intermingled like community of this, like Jesus plus nothing. And then it's like you said, it's truly Jesus plus a lot of things <laughs> to like, you know, be a part of the community um yeah and I think I know for me something I like hope to be a like encourager for of other queer youth is like I uh found a really affirming church and after a few years realized like I actually don't align with like the Christian faith faith as far as like especially the substitutionary atonement sort of like all that like Jesus needing to be killed for me like thing I just like don't align with that um not that this church was that but you know long story but that there are ways to find meaning and community outside of Christianity um now it's so great that it's accessible for queer kids and to at least a certain extent now uh in Christianity and there's also like a lot of life-giving stuff outside of it. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that's something even just like with me and my community of, there are some Christians in there, there's a lot of not. And I just, yeah, amidst that with like Do Better Young Life, I think that's been a thing of, we've gotten a lot of stories from some people who really have found community in Christianity after Young Life and some who have found it elsewhere um and some who are still struggling to find community because it's like a weird world <laughs> out there but yeah I don't know where where I started that from but uh yeah I think it's helpful to know that there's 
ways to find community uh, outside of young life. I think that's the thing too, is like, um, you know, not, not being so, I, I guess, it, I guess it's uh, similar things. Like, don't be so protective of Christianity. Don't worry about Christianity. Um, and, and, and I, I know sort of the strategy or the tactics that people feel like they need to engage in, in order to stay relevant in terms of Christians or Christianity. And so the moment you know that you don't have necessarily an orthodox understanding of the Bible or whatever, people are like, Oh, well, you're irrelevant. Then you're not part of the group. And it's like, yes. whether or not I'm part of the group in your eyes, doesn't mean I still can't have problematic behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's been, one of those things where it's like your my worst fear came true of like there have been a lot of people who learn that I'm like a part of Do Better Young Life and are like, oh, it's led by non-Christians. So like it's led by outsiders or something. And that does feel bad to like know that I very much do know like. I do deserve to be a part of helping like share about what young life has been doing. Uh, But to have it be like, Oh no, he's an outsider is like, it's kind of annoying. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, but I do appreciate that there's um, at least among like do better young life people, there has been sort of a celebration of that. Some of us are Christians, some of us are not. um, And that, that, actually is like I think that's a pretty biblical thing that like no one it's not like we all have the same doctrine we all believe the same thing it's like we all care about love we care about uh doing less harm in the world and I think that's a pretty Jesus-y thing uh but I don't know (laughs) who am I to say (laughs) no yeah you you you're you're a very significant person. You don't have to question yourself. Um, yeah, gosh, I there's a there's so much. I mean, I hope we get to talk more in the future. But what do you feel like it, the future of Do Better Young Life entails? Yeah, I think like for me, I have no attachment to like if if it there's been. I think there will be a time where it's like served its purpose and then it's like, okay, like it's done. It's like, let's move on with our lives. Uh, I, there's been times where I thought that's happened and I'm like, okay, but then, you know, this document comes out then. So it is. And then I've heard from other young life staff who are affirming like that the presence continued of do better young life is keeping the pressure on and that really all they want is for it to go away. Um, so for that reason, I think it is, has been important to keep doing some stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, the future is just whatever, like seems helpful to the queer kids still in young life. Uh, if that like, and I think that, so that idea, like what is that, whatever is helpful mixed with like, I also have a life. Other people who are helping organize also have lives uh, that are like, we have to keep that in mind that like the cost benefit. Uh, 
so yeah, it is unclear. I know for me personally, it's been a really meaningful, challenging, sort of life-changing experience this last year of Do Better Young Life. Uh, and I know it will continue to some capacity into the future. Uh, but I don't know what that is. Like, yeah, because I like as a person who's, I think it. I've been really relying on people within Young Life still to be like, what does it need to be? Uh, also from others who have experienced, like who are reaching out, what do they want it to be? Um, yeah, but we'll see. I don't, yeah, good question. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I'm experiencing because it's like, I, it, everything's happening very organically and you seem to be very open to where this is all leading. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, at the very least, I think what you have, you have about 10,000 followers on your Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We touched and empowered so many people and, and, and not just people outside of young life, but I'm telling you, I'm talking to like area directors. I mean, people need to know like area directors are like the local youth pastors of young life, you know, and, and the area directors are fired up and they're doing everything they can. But I think a lot of it has been rallying around this thing you did with do better young life. That's pretty cool. Oh, thanks for saying that, Scott. That's very <laughs> nice of you. Uh, and I do. Yeah. Amidst like the not knowing what it is of the future, if any young life, like leadership are listening, it's not going away. So that's not, don't get your hopes up. That, <laughs> like it, it'll shift and change, but yeah, we're not going to like delete the account or anything ever so. i mean that's the thing i guess just to weave and we're, we'll be winding down i know i'm i'm, I'm cognizant you got like four minutes left but like, and, and i my time is flexible my brain won't fully shut down at 7 30 so <laughs> um, you know we we said the the mission statement of the podcast is less certain more curious and i think that for me personally and mace isn't here to speak for mace but like is probably in response to sort of some sort of dogmatic form of Christianity. And um, it, we, I have it written down right here in my office uh, it, that it's a vocation, less certain, more curious, you know? And I think we talk about very playful things on the podcast and we do talk about queer theology and social justice and things like that. And the, the hope, I guess, is on a small scale. I'm always hoping like being less certain, more curious would just, kind of help you get along in your life a little bit better. Definitely. Help you be a little bit more curious about yourself and friendships and others. Um, but I, I don't know when I'm talking to you and I'm hearing these things, it's like, well, on a broader mega meta political social, social scale, it's like if, if young life was able to be a little less certain and more curious, that would really help. And, 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 whatever this mission is that I feel compelled to share. Um, we talk a lot about defense mechanisms on the podcast. And I just like, I don't know exactly what defense mechanism is at, is at play with these evangelical institutions, but the way they're so uh, skilled at, at these diversion tactics. And it's like, mm -hmm. they don't want to look at themselves and they don't want others to look at them and they don't want to have to dig deep. And they're, they're holding so tightly to something that's so harmful and problematic to queer folks. But like, ultimately, I, I think as somebody that's on the other side of this a little bit now, is like, 
you're also just missing out on a lot of beautiful people and beautiful relationships. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's in like talking with my parents who are like, you know, they're not queer. They like lived in young life for most of their lives. I know they've, we've talked a lot about how since I came out, they've like become aware of like, the rest of the world <laughs> like the, at least in Tacoma of like there's so much community there's so much like vibrant loving people that my parents spent their whole lives like thinking they were bad or thinking they were like weird or too like open um so it does like you said it impacts everyone and I think from my parents just as a from like for people who aren't directly impacted by these policies or by that like sort of uh, dogmatic theology that it, it like it does cut a cut off opportunities to connect to learn um and even though it kind of sucked for my parents at first to have a gay kid like i know they're happy about it um so yeah i would encourage anyone who like isn't personally impacted to yeah kind of wonder what how is it impacting them uh, in a personal way as well? Yeah, I think this is probably just a a good metaphor or springboard to just consider any dogma we're holding, whether it be Christian or religious or anything. That's right. Yeah, anyone. Um, and that's what's so funny that in so so many circles, like the phrase "progressive" is like a dirty word or something. It's like, shouldn't we all be progressing, like expanding? progressing like that seems like a, you know yeah uh, definitely gosh i i just this has been such a good conversation i i don't know if it's encouraging you but you know you know what beloved arise is all about but um i part of what my job entails and i just guess i had to create this rhythm for myself is i meet with at least 12 new kids a week and my intern now meets with 12 kids a week so wow. us, we're meeting with 24 new kids a week and Wild. Meet with a kid first before they enter the youth group. And we just want that personal connection. The irony with me is that young life is just in my blood. And so for, for me, everything is relationship. And that's what young life taught me. And yes. it's just, I've, I've been to seminary. I I'm theologically trained and, to a certain extent, the most valuable training I've ever gotten was from Young Life. Mm-hmm. It's just you always, it doesn't, I mean, the way I interpret it was like, this theology isn't as important as the relationship, you know? Sure, definitely. But you can imagine, I'm hearing these stories every day. I, I always do 30 minutes with a kid and, you know, it, it's like somehow little 15-year-old Kent found us, you know? Wow. That's amazing. Like, yeah, just to think of how life-changing that can be, uh, that like, it's wild to hear that you're able to be that and your intern is able to be that and the beloved arise. Like, yeah, that's so, it's so important. Uh, and is, yeah, like it, it kind of, yeah, brings tears to my eyes that like that, that gets to happen. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. That's, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh man well i hope we talk again i mean not just not just 
in person because I'd actually like to just hang out with you. But like, um, I hope we do another episode with you because I think there's so much more to talk about. I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg, obviously. Yeah, and I'd be happy to. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Kevin last week and we end with Kevin. We're like, oh, there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and like I just want to say yeah thank you to you for caring about what like because it does suck to realize that something young life like you've spent your so much of your life in like it's really hard to learn and like to talk about how it's been hurtful to like you individually others so I, yeah just thank you for caring about what that is and I know it like comes at a personal cost like relationally uh and like that's exactly what we need like people to care uh even when it like is really hard um and you yeah you're a great example of that so yeah thank you for caring and for uh having me I'm very honored and uh nervous but yeah (laughs) thank you The nerves did not show at all during this conversation, by the way. Well, if this is a visual medium at all, you'll, it'll be, yeah, it, my face gets very red sometimes. But for those listening, then perfect. You came across as authentic and in tune with your emotions. So that's very. <laughs> all right, great. We we're both probably in our own way trying to get rid of this toxic masculinity thing. You know, at, at the end of like youth mission trips, I would always give a speech just about how much I love the kids and my leaders. And as I would start to get emotional, I would just start coughing, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. More, but it was just a silly defense thing of like, I don't want anybody to see that I'm emotional. Yeah. It's outrageous. I mean, my wife would call it out later. She's like, what was all the coughing? I'm like, <laughs> I'm starting to cry and I don't like that. And we can get a little bit more confident sharing our, more vulnerable side. Yes. So true. So true. Um, well, thank you so much. I so this has been inspiring. I mean, just this little hour and a half has been so inspiring. And I think us and other organizations, you know, this is becoming a movement of sorts in its own way. And all these things are joining up and, you know, what some of my leaders call this abolition work. And that's really interesting because that's nothing I would have ever really been interested in doing. And it's not like we're systematically dismantling these other institutions, but at least what we're doing in our own way is saying we're turning our attention and our resources away from those institutions. And potentially in the realm of abolition of like, we, we, we want those institutions to go away and we want something else to arise, arise, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. And that's, yeah. It makes sense why those organizations would freak out about it. And yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully they come to realize that it's, it needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank awesome. you. I'm, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to hit end on record and then talk to you for like a few more minutes. Perfect. I love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks, Scott. <laughs>